want me to be blunt? I mean, sure. I feel like this is, I feel like we're being very blunt. Yeah, I feel like this is just a very vulnerable episode. Why not go all the way? Definitely. Through the therapy and talking about it, I realized that, you know, I shouldn't try to shield people from, you know, my trauma or that experience because the more that we talk about things like that that are happening, hopefully change can come from that. And bringing awareness, I feel like, is the only power that I have. I remember I wasn't the only one. Mm -hmm. Like, half of my studio was feeling the way that I was feeling. Good morning, and welcome to Sorry I'm in Studio, a podcast delivered to you at the most productive hours of studio, 1 a.m. Sunday night. This week we have a very special episode about mental health. Um, We hope we could start off the school year talking about this and sharing some resources and our own experiences with therapy and mental health in design school and as college students. My name is Amber Quinn and here with me today I have Maria Nogueira and Natalie Costello. Hi Amber. Hey guys. Maria has graciously created a brochure with a lot of resources and statistics uh, concerning the mental health of college students and especially architecture students. Uh, Would you like to share that with us, Maria? Yeah, thank you so much. I, the reason why this whole thing came about was because as a fourth year student, I little by little throughout the years realized that it's an issue that a lot of students struggle with. And not a lot of people want to talk about. I feel like it's something that's a little bit taboo, not only as a college student, but particularly as a design student um, because of our field and how competitive it is. But once you start to look at the numbers, it paints a really serious and honestly, in my opinion, really sad narrative of the life that a lot of college kids go through nowadays, especially with the pandemic. So Just to give you some context, um, a study done of architecture students through the Royal Institute of British Architects during the COVID-19 pandemic showed that 59% of students said that their mental health had deteriorated due to COVID-19, and 39% said that their physical health had deteriorated, 45% of students were feeling isolated, and 39% were not keeping in touch with their peer groups and friends, and then 41% don't feel like they have the money they need to get by, and the same amount are worried about their family's finances. In addition to that, the Boston University did a study in fall 2020 that found that half of students screened positive for depression or anxiety. And 83% of students said that their mental health had negatively impacted their academic performance within the past month. So I think that even though a lot of times when you're going through a lot of issues with stress and anxiety and depression, it can feel really lonely. I know that that's something that most people that I've spoken to who have had their own issues with these types of problems, a lot of times it's it's a sense of, of nobody really understands what I'm going through and I feel uncomfortable bringing it up. When in actuality, more than the majority of students have some either period or experience of these kinds of feelings. And it's something that's really common in our profession and also just right now as a college student. 
Yes. And so with this episode, we really want to start the conversation about mental health and really try to normalize like going to therapy, talking about mental health, reaching out to your friends, reaching out to counselors or, you know, therapists or whatever best suits your needs in that moment, but just trying to help people feel more comfortable opening up and talking about these things. So I am really curious about what led you guys to start going to therapy. I know that I've spoken a lot just like in our own friend group about what led me to do it. So I'll definitely save my story for a little bit. But Amber, if you don't mind talking, what, what is something that or what is the experience that led you to starting therapy? I guess I started about a year ago in the fall of 2020. I had never like gone before, but I I started going regularly then and like to weekly therapy. And my parents had always like normalized it or like it wasn't a big deal that I asked to go to therapy. So I was very lucky that my parents were supportive. I know that a lot of people's parents question it or aren't supportive and it really makes the process a lot more difficult. Um, but thankfully they were supportive and my mom had seen a therapist like once for just like one specific moment um, in her life and it really helped. And so I actually ended up going to that same person. Like she didn't even remember my mom at the, when my mom saw her it had been so long ago. You never know if the first time you go to a therapist, if it's going to work out. And in the beginning, um, I wasn't sure if I liked it yet, but I told myself I was going to give it three months and just stick it out and see if, you know, I created some type of relationship with this therapist. And I did stick it out and I I did. And um, I'm still seeing her a year later. And I originally went because like, you know, all of us sitting at home in the pandemic, you really have time to reflect on everything. And I was reflecting and there was some stuff that like I hadn't processed yet or hadn't let myself process because I've been so busy with school and starting college. And at this point, when I started therapy, I was a sophomore. And my junior year of high school, I um, the high school I went to, there was a mass shooting. And up until that point, like in college, like I wouldn't really tell people where I was from because I was afraid of making people feel uncomfortable, like with talking about that or sharing that experience. And through the therapy and talking about it, I realized that, you know, I shouldn't try to shield people from, you know, my trauma or that experience because the more that we talk about things like that that are happening, hopefully change can come from that. And bringing awareness, I feel like, is the only power that I have, like, over that situation. And therapy's just like made me a lot more comfortable talking about it and sharing that from when like I first started college or from when that first happened. And I just have given myself the time now to actually process it, you know, figure out how I feel about it. And I think one of my biggest takeaways from therapy is not every session has to be like amazing, but it feels good to know that you're showing up to work on yourself and to be the best version of you. And I think for me, like I'm a Capricorn and so like I need everything to feel productive and it just feels productive and it really like checks that box for me and makes me feel good and uh, 
yeah, so that's why I've started and I'm now continuing just, you know, for general college stress and, you know, all of that. It's a lot. So yeah, I'm looking forward to continuing therapy this year as well. I think you brought up a really wonderful point about, well, honestly, I think you brought up two really wonderful points. The first being that not every session has to be ground shattering. Like I've made so much amazing progress. Like some sessions I go to with therapy don't feel good. They, they genuinely feel like I leave feeling really bad thinking that I, in a way, made reverse, like I went backwards in my progress line. But the other thing that I would say is that one thing I, I go to, a, so I personally go to the Montrose Center, which is a clinic for primarily focusing on LGBT issues. Um, as somebody who is on that spectrum, I find it really comforting to go to a place where they kind of understand some of the issues that I've been through in my life. Um, but my therapist always tells me, she's like, Maria, I love meeting with you because you are one of the few people like that every week you definitely internalize what we talk about. And it feels like you are as committed as I am in being a better person by the next time that you come back. And I agree with you wholeheartedly that it feels so productive to sit down and want to work through those issues and to want to be a better version of yourself, not only for yourself, but for the people around you. Like the reason why I began going to therapy was because I have always struggled with anxiety, even before college. When I was in high school, I struggled with anxiety and feelings of like self-doubt and inadequacy. Like I feel like I've always had imposter syndrome. Um, because I've been a really high achieving person and I've always wanted to be, you know, the best that I can be and that in a, internalized into feeling like I'm not that person 90% of the time. And then to be vulnerable for a minute, I had a really traumatic experience when I was 18. I ended up getting kicked out of my house due to issues that at the time were just really difficult to process. And I was estranged from my family for about three years. Um, two to three years. And it led to me going through a really serious bout of depression, kind of like pulling myself out of that emotionally, trying to get back into college, because I was basically a college dropout, like I had no path or direction for a few years there. And coming back into college, I was so committed with not fucking it up again. Like, it's hard to describe it, like being at my potentially my worst and then coming back to college and having a second chance, I just wanted to hit the ground running and not stop. And in in a way, it was like, I was so proud of myself, but that mentality of constantly being at the top of my game and being so scared that I was gonna fuck it up again and become a college dropout all over again, led to me to completely burning out third year, literally. Like I hit fall of third year, and I was so A, mentally drained and B, an anxious mess about the fact that I thought I wasn't doing well, even though I really was. Like I'm an honors college student and I'm honestly doing pretty well. That I had like a nervous breakdown that semester on top of the fact that I had a really difficult relationship with my studio professor and I just couldn't finish the semester. Like literally, I think it was the end of October. I had to sit face to face to myself and just like, genuinely asked myself if I could finish the semester. And the reality of it was that I couldn't. I was so sleep deprived from the anxiety not allowing me to sleep. 
I was so stressed by the fact that I was not keeping up with my classes and I was just such an utter wreck that I had to be sincere. And also I have a skin condition that gets exacerbated with stress. So like I had rashes and just like, it was so bad. It was terrible. It was, it was a hot mess, literally just a terrible mess. <laughs> and I, I remember at the time just feeling so let down by myself, thinking about the fact that I knew in my heart that I needed to do better managing my stress, my anxiety and my course load. And knowing that the best way to do that would be to take time off from classes. And it was so triggering because I was like, what if I drop studio and this is the thing that leads me to being a college dropout again? Like, what if I never come back? Like, what if I, this is me admitting that like, I can't do architecture. And it was so heart wrenching, but um, my boyfriend at the time was super, super supportive. He was like, I think this is in your best interest. Like you literally are potentially going to fail if you keep this up, like you've already burnt out, like you can't keep pushing yourself to this level. And so I, in a way, hit rock bottom. And that was what led me to recognize that I needed help and that I needed help outside of my family and friends because I didn't want to burden them with trying to pull me out of this depressive and also anxious mess that I was in. And I knew that I needed a third party who was a completely unbiased to everything that was happening in my life and who could look at me objectively and be like, well, why are you feeling this way? Like what has led to this moment that could have not necessarily been avoided, but could have been mitigated. And I think that that's the other thing that therapy really led me to understand was the fact that you're not going to change overnight. It's not like traditional medicine in the sense that you take a pill and a week later you're feeling better. Like I will always deal with stress. I will always deal with anxiety. That is something that my life will always be plagued with, but it's building my toolbox so that little by little, the next time that I have a, a really stressful moment in my life, I have the tools to better face that issue and to come out of it a stronger person. So I think that that's also been really empowering in a way, because I feel like previously my anxiety made me feel like I was hopeless and there was nothing I could do. Like, this is just my life. I will always be an anxious mess. When in actuality, I now feel really empowered. Like, no, you know, I, I have anxiety, but I can recognize that feeling and I can move past it because I now know how to recognize that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. That's so empowering. Yeah. And I really admire you for putting your health first in that situation and taking the time to like, you know, go to therapy and work on things and come back even stronger than you were. Like, I think that is really powerful. And I'm so proud of you to like, see you go through that. Yeah, it was it was really sad in the beginning, because I, I felt so embarrassed talking about it. Like everybody in my studio knew that I had dropped. And the worst part was that I was still like, I still had a job in the building. So I, I couldn't escape. Yeah, it's not. And I think in a way it helped me. Like the fact that yeah. I still had to keep going every day to the building and I couldn't just like, it's so hard to say, but I feel like sometimes my mental health, when it gets really bad, I just turn into a total recluse and I don't want to see people because I'm just so embarrassed by it. But the fact that I had to wake up every morning, get dressed, take a shower, go to work in the college and see all these people who were still grinding, trying to get through the semester, may really push me to A, 
face my fears about the fact that I dropped and B, you know, kind of own it. Cause I feel like mm. I didn't want to talk about it cause I, I felt really bad about it. But the more that I was honest and sincere of like, yeah, I dropped because of health reasons and there's nothing wrong with that. Like I didn't believe it at first, but the more that I said it, the more I felt it in my heart. Like there is nothing wrong with this. It is healthy of me to prioritize my health because at the end of the day, that is the only thing that I can really, you know, keep like, yeah, a degree is great. But like, if I come out completely a nervous wreck without handling my issues, like I'm going to be worse off. Yes. Maria, you were, you are actually one of the people that made me prioritize my mental health over schoolwork. And I appreciate you taking that step and being open with like talking about going to therapy and stuff because that and you Amber made me want to go to therapy myself and like work on my own issues as well. Do you feel like it's been helpful for you Natalie? Yeah, what's been your experience with it? I kind of, I went to specifically, it's like the UT Physicians Therapy Center. I actually went because of a traumatic event that happened in high school. And I never, I only realized that it, that event happened like a year and a half ago. And I never realized how depressed I was for three years. And when I went, I like was shocked to like see like what mental state I am and how I was actually just putting on a like a like a facade to get through the day and um it was extremely tough like going through it like going through it because I just like Maria and Amber said there were like not like super like groundbreaking sessions like every week there are some like ones where it's just like oh you're doing you're surviving good, that's good. like and yeah, yeah you're surviving you're surviving yeah. <laughs> um, those are those are you know that's oh that's a moment I remember I would have to do worksheets to help me, like worksheets and specific exercises to help tackle specific issues and doing that. Like I remember procrastinating doing them until like the day before my session when I was supposed to be doing like a worksheet every day. And I realized that I was doing it because I didn't want to like process the super heavy emotional yeah. stuff. I just got done with like super um, extensive trauma therapy. So I like, I'm generally like not completely over, but like I'm generally done with that part of the journey and I'm now actually looking for more general counseling. Therapists. That's so great. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'm so proud of you for doing that and reaching out. It's so interesting that you say that because something you mentioned reminded me vividly of the experience. Like I remember my intake session. I don't know if you guys had intake sessions. (laughs) Yeah, I think I did. It was so, was it when you interviewed? Yeah. So, well, maybe, maybe this is a good thing to bring up. 
if you are considering going to a therapist or to just like a psychiatrist or just like a psychologist, any of them really, normally what the process is, you'll show up to the clinic and you'll do a form to like sign up and then they'll have something called an intake session. And it is your very first introductory session and they'll look at the questionnaire that you filled out and then somebody will sit down with you, ask you more deeper questions to kind of like assess the scope of what help it is that you're looking for, whether it's like family issues, anxiety, substance abuse, all of these different issues, you know, they're and, and they'll try to match you with somebody that is specialized in whatever it is that you're looking for. So like for me, I was mainly dealing with like stress and anxiety management. And so they paired me with someone who was really great with that. Like I, I have been extremely fortunate that my therapist was a perfect match for me from the beginning. Like I know that that's not the case for everybody, but it was so interesting for me because I was I went into the Montrose clinic or the Montrose center thinking that what I needed help with was anxiety. And I filled out the form. I answered my questionnaire. And at the end of my intake session, they asked me like, so how long have you been depressed? And I was just like, Oh my God, (laughs) why would you ask that? And then, and I, I remember asking, I was like, well, like, I'm not really sure what led to this question. And they were like, well, you're struggling sleeping. You don't want to see your friends. Like you're having trouble eating. Like you're not getting like, they listed all of the things that I had said back to me. And they were like, all of these are symptoms of depression. Like, how long have you been depressed? And I was just point blank shocked by facing the fact that I was actually feeling that way. And then Mm. furthermore, shocked at the fact that I recognized, okay, that is depression. But then looking back on my life and being like, I have felt this way multiple times in my life. Is this something that I struggle with? And then furthermore, realizing that like depression is something that runs in my family. So I shouldn't have been shocked by the fact that I was very prone to depressive thoughts and depressive feelings. Like that is just something that I'm genetically predisposed to. But still the fact that like I refuse to admit it and that I was point blank asked that question was just like, oh my God, I can't handle this right now. Yeah. (laughs) It was so bad. (laughs) Before the telehealth I would have to fill out like a questionnaire and then they would show on the like my computer screen the like oh what you've been like diagnosed with like diagnosed with yeah and I learned that um because like Maria I was like oh I'm going for anxiety maybe depression and I saw and I was like oh general anxiety like that I got diagnosed dang yeah okay (laughs) but the one that got me I got diagnosed with PTSD dang that makes sense (laughs) next (laughs) in shock yeah it's like a punch to the gut but at the same time it's also like a deep sigh of relief of of like they get it like I'm not just imagining this like I think that's the other thing that was really empowering was the fact that having somebody look at me and say like, no, you're right. You're not doing okay. You need help made me feel like I wasn't going insane in my own thoughts of the fact that I was dealing with all of this. And I think one thing that really resonated me, Natalie talking about, I, I like my therapist isn't necessarily specialized to like about my specific trauma, like with the school shooting. I mean, like 
not very many people have experienced that. So there's not a lot of therapists yeah. like um, specializing in that. But I wasn't necessarily looking for that. I, to me at the moment, that just felt too intense to like go to somebody specifically for that. Like that was just felt too overwhelming. Um, but like in the beginning, because I did go for that initially, I wasn't really talking a lot about school or like general stuff. Like I had that stress plus the like stress and anxiety from that event that um, it was just a lot, but I was mainly just talking about the event like every week. And then I was just like, I'm just tired of talking about it. Like I, I feel like I've plateaued for progress on this and I need to like take a break from talking about it. So probably like the last four months, I haven't really been deeply discussing it in therapy. Um, I've been more talking about like, just anxiety with school or whatever but yeah I feel like I've also been incredibly blessed that I also was already in therapy when COVID hit because I feel like that's another thing that was you know I remember I left the dorms and immediately moved back in with my parents right now I'm not living with my parents I'm, I have been blessed to move in with my boyfriend but uh yeah it was so stressful I was like I, we were all like in these four walls with each other like we're all like stressed out of our brains like it was nice to still have therapy even though I was we switched to telehealth like uh mm -hmm. you know Natalie did so it was nice to still have that point of contact of like okay I'm meeting with my therapist. Like I can talk about all the things that are stressing me out. Like it's okay. It'll be fine. And I like to, to give some context. Like I, when I originally started was meeting with my therapist like every week and then it went to every other week and then it went to every three weeks. And now I just see her once a month. Like that's the other goal of therapy. Like the goal of therapy isn't to have you be in therapy for the rest of your life. You know, the goal of therapy is to slowly like work your way back and, test the waters like that's the other thing is that my therapist she's like are you good to go another month and I'm like well like we'll see you she's like if anything happens like just send me a message and we'll schedule like don't feel bad about if you get really stressed out scheduling a session for next week or scheduling a session for like three weeks instead of a full month so like that was also really nice having that through COVID which was really fortunate yeah I, th I guess like COVID kind of inspired mine <laughs> But just because I guess I felt like I had the time and yeah. I, I'm interested to hear y'all's perspectives because, Marie, you've done both in person and online, right? Yeah, I have. And I think me and Natalie have only done it online. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like for me, like the online, like, of course, I'm ready for everything to be in person as soon as possible. But I think with therapy being online, especially like with being in design school and that being so hectic, like for me, that made it more accessible. And I don't think I would have ever gone to therapy if COVID hadn't happened and everything was online. Like, I just don't think I would have considered it with driving every week and doing all that. Yeah. That just feels very overwhelming for me. So having it online where I can just kind of wake up and turn on the computer and just, you know, go to it that way, for me, that felt a lot more accessible and like less overwhelming. No, I definitely agree with you. Yeah. I don't think I would have been, like, I would have made as much progress as I did mm. in, like, as fast or quickly as I did if it wasn't, if it was in person. Mm -hmm. Because online, I, like, you have, you're, like, behind a screen. So you have, like, someone of, like, a barrier yeah. in 
um, air quotes. I'm doing air quotes right now <laughs> in a barrier. But if I was in person, I don't know if like what I would have like said or mm-hmm. I probably would have like been more way more emotional and cried a lot more. I want to try doing therapy in person because I feel like that's like the next step for me, I want to say. Mm-hmm. But I do agree with you, Amber, being it's like way more accessible. I would say personally, I started out in person. Mm-hmm. I went to online. And then in the last month, I started going back in person. Oh. I've been really good. It's been, yeah. I mean, we have to wear masks yeah. in the clinic. But um, I I think that it, it depends, you know. Like for me, going in person felt good, especially in the beginning because mm-hmm. of the fact that I was having issues leaving my room. Like mm-hmm. that was the thing that I was struggling with a lot was going back out into public and not feeling like everyone was watching me. <laughs> and so I feel like, again, the act of getting up, getting dressed, mm, getting yeah, in the car, that's helpful, yeah. driving to the clinic was very helpful for me in that very vulnerable moment of just like, I feel so bad that I just want to lay in my bed and literally do nothing for the rest of my life. Mm. So I think it depends. Yeah. Like, now, now that I'm out of those feelings and I'm out of that headspace, I can do telehealth and I don't feel that way. Like, I don't feel like I'm going to fall back into those patterns but I think at the time what I really needed was to go see somebody in person rather than being able to just like I'm gonna stay in my comfy clothes and just like yeah not leave yeah like I think that that would that would probably would have dampered my progress I do have a question for you guys though Um, I feel like we're talking about being designers and design students like I know my thoughts on this but what do you, how do you think our program pushes students? Like, do you think that it's something that is a negative and that it's leading to? Because, I mean, we saw in the percentages that I gave, like a lot of design students struggle with these kinds of feelings. Do you think that it's a bad thing about the program? Do you think it's something that needs to be talked about more intimately in classroom settings or... Do you want me to be blunt? Or... I mean, sure. Yeah, I feel go like ahead. this is you go first. I feel like we're being very blunt. Yeah, right I feel now. like this is just a very vulnerable episode. Why not go yeah, all the way? Definitely. Okay, I honestly feel like it depends on what professor you have. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I do want to say though, and I'm pretty sure you two will agree with what I'm about to say. For first years, there was this underground culture where you felt like the professors were pushing you so much to that to the point where you would just drop the studio and as a first year you think oh I can't do this and you won't come back to the college you'll just switch your major I'll say I remember being in third year and going through the feelings that I was feeling and I remember I wasn't the only one Mm -hmm. like half of my studio was feeling the way that I was feeling I had a friend who when I told her that I dropped, she was like, well, okay, for some context, maybe if you're not from architecture, maybe if you're listening from a different major or just a different area of life, you probably don't know. But at the university, if you drop a studio, you have to wait an entire year to pick up the program again and keep going and redo that semester. So it leads to a lot of, you know, 
hesitation. Mm -hmm. Like I remember talking to my classmate and she was like, how do you feel about the fact that you're going to have to wait a year before coming back? And I was like, it sucks, but like, that's just life. You know, like I'm young, I'm 20, I think I was 23 at the time. I'm like, I'm 23. Mm -hmm. Like, this has not been the first time that I've like taken time away from school. You know, that's just part of life. Like, I'm just gonna have to keep doing it. And she was like, I could never, like, I feel, I understand where you're coming from. I, I feel the exact same way. I'm feeling really, really bad right now too. I don't know if I'm gonna finish the semester too, but I can, I would rather fail and at least have given it everything. And not tell my parents Mm. that I dropped because of my mental health and that was just something so sad to hear that like she was feeling so desperate and that she was debating dropping because of how bad she felt but at the same time could not come to grips with the fact that she would have to wait an entire year I honestly I was like her and I ended up failing this semester and I wish I had dropped it like I wish I had thought about it more one of my siblings was trying to be nice but that her whole lecture didn't go that way and her lecture was about like if you want to change your major change your major like you don't feel bad about it and I had that one thought in my head the whole entire first semester and it made me worry that I wasn't good enough to do architecture after I failed I was like okay like just trying to like pull myself like pull my bootstrings up and like get to work and like survive Mm -hmm. one of my siblings was like oh I think you should switch your major to something else like trying to be helpful and stuff but that wasn't help helping me at all Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, I think one thing, Maria, you kind of touched on was, like, the the family pressure and, like, like two things that I think play a lot into these decisions for people are, are the family pressure and the financial pressure. Like, A hundred percent. Not everyone has the option. Architecture is already a five-year degree. Yeah. Dropping makes it a six-year six degree and not some people barely even have enough money to do four. get through just the four years, yeah. you know, much less the five years or six years or more than that. And so I think there's a big like disparity in like access to make those decisions for yourself. And, um, you know, that's just really disappointing. I think like with Natalie's question or Maria, your question about um, is the program pushing too hard? And like, I think there's, definitely currently not enough resources because design school architecture school is so niche like not a lot of therapists understand it at first like it probably took me six months for my therapist to completely understand like what I was going through and like the pressure of being in design school it's just a very unique experience that not a lot of people understand And so I think it also makes it really hard for a lot of families to understand that. Thankfully, like my dad went to art school, so and he's a full-time artist. So I have a lot of support from my family and like I feel like they understand, but I know a lot of families don't understand it in that way. And um, I really feel for the people that, you know, that are having to go through that with their families. What I would definitely say is that I think I agree with Natalie in the sense that the program right from the beginning pushes the sense of 
you can get far just through pure brute strength of willpower. Yeah. You know, like how, how much do you, how much are you willing to put on the line to get that A? Are you, yeah. Like, what are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to sacrifice your friendships? Are you willing to sacrifice your sleep? Are you willing to sacrifice like your own health? Like, I don't want to dissuade anybody from the major. I love being a designer. I love being creative. But I remember being traumatized when a person told me first year, like, if you make it to third year without an emotional crisis, an eating disorder, or some kind of substance abuse, like, I'm proud of you. And I was just shocked. But like, now that I'm in fourth year, and I have friends in the upper levels, I get it. Like, I see people struggling with like eating disorders, whether it's like they forget to eat and they just like lose a ton of weight or people who just like binge because they're so stressed and they gain a ton of weight, you know, people who had an emotional crisis and were crying in the restroom, like the day of jury. Like I remember literally somebody finishing presenting, getting the critiques going to the restroom and just sobbing wiping their face and then coming back like that's just the kind of reality of of sometimes the major and it's so sad that it gets to that point that a lot of students are like this is just part of the game like you just gotta like wipe your tears and pretend that it didn't happen and just go back out there and put a smile on your face and I think that's what leads to a lot of people making it to the end of the five years and having a sense of like pain and also mm-hmm. resentment towards the college as a whole like they feel angry that they gave up five years of their life and were only left with like pain and suffering and sadness when that shouldn't be the case I genuinely exactly. I genuinely wish that people would finish and would be like oh my god that was amazing like I loved it and it was so cool but a lot of times you hear people who are like I hated it and I was just like by the end of the year like by the end of the fifth year dying to be out of here like I was just desperate to leave you know Yeah. And I think like, I guess what I was um, hoping to say was I I wish there would be some type of counseling in the building. Like (laughs) this is extreme, but like 24 hours with somebody like who knows about being a therapist or is a psychologist or something that knows about design school and that already has that background so you don't have to spend the time explaining it to them they already understand and they can help you in that moment like with those issues and I don't know how that would happen but I I wish there would be more resources like I mean my first year experience I I was pulling an all-nighter twice a week or at least once a week and that that just wasn't sustainable and thankfully I've moved past that and not doing that anymore and putting myself first I mean, it's a lot. Like, I think that that's the thing that I always come back to is that when I think about architecture school, design school, you know, being a creative person and mental health, it's just such an emotionally loaded topic that it's hard to really like capture everything that I feel in that moment. Because I remember being a first year and turning in my assignment and I was just so desperate to do well that any critique that I got felt like a stab in the heart. I was, it's just yeah. that's the other thing is that it's it's such a and I think that I have a good context for this because I originally when I first started college straight out of high school I was an engineering major and getting an A is completely different 
in engineering school than getting an A in architecture school. Mm. And the way that I describe it to people who are new or who are transfers, especially engineering transfers, like I feel like we come in with a completely different scope because in engineering school, you do the calculation and if it came out right, you get an A. It's very simple, very yeah. straightforward. Like I feel like in architecture school and design school, you could have spent all night trying to come up with mm. the best solution. And then the professor looks at it and he's like, you know what? I feel like you gave it your all and you did your best, but that's a B. That's a B right there. And so it's just like so hard. You just like want to do your best. And it's just so completely different in that sense. It's very subjective. Very subjective. Yeah. family pressure especially from my parents made me have this drive to like always get A's and my you talking about engineering brings reminds me once I got into architecture school I told and like they were like not a lot of people get A's I told my parents that and they're both engineers so they don't get that like yeah I think I guess I've had I've I've been very lucky (laughs) I like my my great grandma was an artist my grandma was an artist my dad's an artist like I I I was never like in high school like and even now like all the pressure that is on me I've put that on myself yeah. to like achieve and do stuff and join, you know, clubs, be active, like whatever it is, all of that comes from me. None of that pressure comes from my parents at all. Like, thankfully, they would be supportive no matter what I did, which is I am extremely lucky. But at the same time, like that's a lot of pressure, like Always even wanting to make the best choice for yourself. Yeah, yeah, but it's like I have to push myself. <laughs> it's like I, I have to do I have to do all the work and push myself and like um I don't know. It's a weird a weird feeling, but I think it's it's made me stronger, but even just like like my dad is so supportive that even with this podcast he's like Amber, just drop out and do the podcast. <laughs> and I'm like, stop it. Don't tell me that. Like, what are you saying? I'm just like, that's that's not helping me. Like, stop. So I, I feel very lucky. I don't want to make it seem like there is no way to manage mental health in college, though. Yes, like, so I, I guess think, let's let's yeah. make it happy ending. Yeah, no, 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 we- of course. I mean, I if I could talk to first-year Maria – back Mm -hmm. way back when I would definitely I mean I joined the college and the very first thing that I pushed myself to do was to join a student organization and make a friend group and I think that Mm -hmm. that in of itself is a huge push in the right direction when it comes Mm -hmm. to your mental health and to not feeling like you are isolated and alone without a support group because Amber is totally right a lot of times your family won't get it a lot of times mm-hmm. your friends from high school, if they're going to different colleges or different majors, yeah, they, they can't they won't get it either <laughs> as much as you, they want to support you. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. it's such a niche community that finding friends within the college who are going through those similar experiences 
is so hugely beneficial and can be really great at times. Because mm-hmm. I remember when I was in my second semester, I was just crying. I was a mess. And my friends in my student organization pulled me aside and they were like, you got this. You know you got this. You're going to make the, like, you feel really bad right now, but you're going to wipe those tears and you're going to feel better in the morning and you're going to turn in that assignment. Like, at, at the end of the day, the work will get done. Um, and I think that having that support group is really, really important. What would you, what would you guys say is a, another really important thing for making sure you stay mentally healthy? I would say staying active. Ooh, yeah, that's a good like, one. Like, it's hard especially I I would say get your sleep schedule on track and don't put pressure on yourself to like do an intense workout all the time. You know, like I would be like the only thing that is valid or means that I accomplished like being active is if I like go to the gym and do a a workout. Like that's the only thing that counts. Heavy cardio. Yeah. Like that's the only thing that counts. And if I do anything less, it's not even worth it. Like that would be the way I think about it. And I would just avoid it because that was too intimidating to do all the time. And especially, yeah, especially you're, you're exhausted, you know, you're creatively mentally drained. Like it's just hard to go and put that pressure on yourself to also like do some intense workout. So I would say take that pressure away and do yourself the favor of just like going and walking. Like I think one of the great things, hopefully with more of us getting to come back to campus and being able to go out in the world again is being able to just walk, you know, to wherever you're going and um, just don't put the pressure on yourself to do something a hundred percent. If you know, with working out or whatever it is, showing up is like half the battle that is so, so true. Yeah. showing up every day and just doing the best you can that looks different all the time so I would say just don't put that pressure on yourself also going to therapy helps oh, <laughs> I hope that we've been ins- yeah I hope that we've inspired at least one person and I will say like um also in the brochure that Maria made um there's different options for like different cost options or with insurance or like all of that jazz so we've got you covered the brochure sadly only focuses on Houston I feel like a lot of people are in the greater Houston area so it's not just within 610 it's outside of 610 too Um, to give you a little bit of context on what's on the brochure we tried to focus on both paid as well as free options religious as well as not religious options we offered psychiatrists, uh, psychologists, uh, therapists, as well as support groups. Each one of those things do different, each one of those people do different things. So to give you some ideas, therapists are mainly for talk therapy. So you'll go in for about an hour or 30 minutes or however long your session is and just talk. And they will give you not necessarily advice. I feel like that's what a lot of times people think it is, is that they'll give you advice. A lot of times they'll mainly walk you through the thought process so that you can find the answer yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, For a psychiatrist, they mainly focus on prescribing medication and giving a medical diagnosis, whether that is, you know, severe anxiety to the point where you need medication, severe depression where you need uh, medication, just any issue really. Um, A psychologist a lot of times works alongside a psychiatrist, so they might be the ones that are helping mitigate on a day-to-day basis, whether it's additional talk therapy. And then support groups are really just for community. So let's say 
Amber really wants to meet other people who have gone through mass shooting events and talk to them and meet people who have had similar experiences as her. She could find a support group of people and then meet with them and feel like she has a community now that kind of understands. It's what she was saying, like, that's something that not a lot of people have got to go through. It's a very intense and very visceral experience that a lot of times most people don't understand. So that's what support groups are really helpful for. So you can meet with you could find one place that only has one of those options, or you could find a place that has all of those options and you can mix and match and find what works best for you. It's definitely not a one size fits all. It's definitely uh, give everything a little bit of a try and see what works best for you. Yes. And I know, I know that Amber, you've also been talking about how like for you with through your insurance, it's been super, super easy and helpful to mm-hmm. get you know low cost options as well. Yes. I think for mine, just for full transparency, I think it's like normal price would be 60 a session, but with my um, insurance, it's 30. Um, So I was going weekly and then I only get 30 or 32 or something low cost options per year. And so during the school year, I was doing it weekly and then I, I did, I started a little bit in, so I had a little more leeway but I was doing it weekly mostly the full school year and then uh during the summer I did it every other week and um just to kind of save up my my points or whatever um but yeah I I think just and you can ask your insurance provider you know if if they um include that and help you out at all but highly recommend that um I would like to add for anyone who's not in Houston my therapist she recommended a website called psychology today where you can do filters so you can like put your insurance if you have it Mm -hmm. or whatever to help you find a therapist yeah that's a good resource that's also about like where do I go first? Like, who do I reach out to? How do I find someone I trust? And luckily, like my mom had went to one and that's who I went to. And that's, you know, the reason why it was more accessible to me. Um, That's an incredibly good point. Now that you bring mm -hmm. it up, I managed to get an appointment at the Montrose Center because a friend of mine also was a patient there. I feel like that is another thing that a lot of times people feel really scared about is that they don't even know where to begin. So that is why we thought it would be great to make a brochure of just a few options. Like it's not every single option in the city, but it's a lot of really accessible options with a wide variety of different things that they offer just to give you a taste of what is out there. So you don't feel like you don't even know where to begin. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been really helpful for me knowing other people who also had therapy. Cause I think that in the beginning I was really yes. scared. I didn't know what to expect. I was mm-hmm. so hesitant about feeling like it was going to be something counterproductive to my growth. Mm-hmm. And one thing that my, friend who was going to therapy left me with and maybe this will be my final suggestion to people is that she told me Maria you have no idea I started therapy when I was 30 and I'm 34 now and I've grown so much as a person in these four years I can only imagine the person I'd be today if I started therapy at 23 at your age and I was just like wow the way that you put that into perspective of like I am not just doing this for tomorrow, Maria. 
this is something that's going to change the outlook on my life when I'm a 30 year old, when I'm a 40 year old, like I hope that when I'm 40, I am an even better version of myself and going to therapy today is getting on that right path to get there. Yeah. I think, I think therapy is a radical act of self-care. That's so true. Like it's, you're doing it for your, yourself and the people around you and to become better and to understand yourself more. Like now I, I understand myself way more and like, how I react to things and how I should react better. And, um, it's only been beneficial. So that's, that's what I would say. Any final words, Natalie? <laughs> well, before Zencaster crashed, <laughs> I was gonna half joking and half seriously say you should get it doc. That's so true. Oh, yeah. Though. That helps too. Because for those of you who don't know, I have six dogs in my family. And one of them is my dad's dog, and his name is George, and everyone loves him. I seriously considered sneaking him into the dorm room because, like, I, like, he helped with my anxiety and, like, just the stress because George has a cute face. There's also scientific proof that, like, I I don't know. Oh, I think it was. I'm a huge fan of documentaries. I'm just going to preface this. There is an episode that recently came out on Netflix, their series called Explain, that's all about dogs. And they showed scientific studies about how dogs can literally, through the sweat, tell how you're feeling, whether it's happy, scared, anxious, and they immediately have a physiological change and respond to it, which is why so many people find dogs so soothing because they feel like their dog can tell that they're stressed. And it's true, they can, they actually can through through the, the smell. And it's just incredible. Like animals are incredibly beneficial support animals. You know, just, I agree with you, Natalie. That is a, another really great suggestion. today's conversation we've given you a little bit of an insight into the wonderful world of mental health and bettering yourself as a person whether it's through one of the avenues that we've suggested today or just a different avenue that we didn't touch on there's so many different ways to mitigate those kinds of feelings especially in college which is already such a stressful time in the student's life Um, know that you're not alone I think that's the most important thing that we can leave you with is that you're not alone. There's always people out there. There's resources out there. Just give it a chance and see what it can do to improve your life. Thank you everyone for listening to this special episode of Sorry I'm in Studio. Remember to check out the mental health resources around Houston in the link in the description and follow us on Instagram for more updates and resources.